This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. As protests continue throughout China, the authoritarian communist regime appears to slightly soften its stance on extreme COVID measures. But back in Canada, the head of one university has apologized for censoring the media at the request of the Chinese ambassador. Yet another story of government procurement running way over budget and over schedule. A True North exclusive on a military project coming in at double the original price tag. And a think tank is calling on Canada's justice minister to explain his controversial comments approving of assisted suicide as a humane option. Hello Canada, it's Friday, December 2nd, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Anthony Fury. And I'm Andrew Lott. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. China's Vice Premier Sun Chun-Lan has come out to say that the Omicron virus is less pathogenic than previous strains and is indicating that the Beijing Communist government may be somewhat loosening its COVID zero grip. Now, this all comes after days of protests against COVID-19 measures throughout the country, protests the degree to which have not been seen since the Tiananmen Square movement decades ago. But speaking of backpedaling, that's also what the University of Ottawa is doing after banning media from a speech on campus given by a Chinese diplomat. University of Ottawa President Jacques Fremont posted to social media that, quote, we made the wrong decision at the last moment. We apologize to the media involved. We should have done better to protect the freedom of the press. So what occurred was that Chinese ambassador to Canada, Kong Pei Wu, asked that media be removed from filming an address he gave on campus. Now, he also instructed that the blinds in the room be closed so that protests outside that were against China were not visible to those indoors. The university administration at the time caved to his demands on the spot. The ambassador spoke at the event in defense of extreme COVID zero in China, saying, in China, the policy works well. The central government in China, our philosophy is putting people first, putting life first. Andrew, it's kind of interesting that Kong Pei Wu would go to such great lengths to defend these extreme COVID zero measures. And then just a couple of days later, his big boss at the top, I guess, uh, Xi Jinping, decides that we're actually going to soften it a little. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, the marching orders hadn't filtered their way down to the foreign service or the Chinese embassy in, in Canada yet. But, you know, the really disheartening part of all of this is that it's one thing to start talking about these themes at a university, which I think should be welcome, even if I, I disagree with them. It's quite another to try to export from China the same approach to the press that you'd expect there and, and for the University of Ottawa to, in that moment, go along with it. Well, and one of the things that I, I've been repeating as much as I can is pay attention to what values that these guys have domestically and that they brag about having. I mean, it's not a question of, oh, does China believe in freedom of the press or, or maybe a little less than we do or half that we do? No, they say flat out that that stuff is just not happening for them. It ain't on. So it shouldn't surprise us when they come here and they expect the same treatment 
And I think for so many years, we here in Canada and other Western nations have have almost encouraged them to think that and that we, we haven't pushed back. And, and now that we're ever so slightly beginning to push back, that's where the clash happens. Yes, and we overlook so much when we feel that a country can be an ally in something else, and, and namely in the modern context, it's climate change. But I think that talking tough on China needs to be met with acting tough on China as well. I remember the good old days of University of Ottawa shutting down Ann Coulter events. I know you remember that event, and it's kind of funny. It's shifted from from those personalities, you know, American conservative commentators, to now it's uh, Chinese ambassador giving uh, controversial addresses. And yet at that one, he's the person calling the shots. The controversial guest is the <laughs> one who gets to tell security what the code of conduct is. Yeah, Ann Coulter should have been uh, parroting Chinese talking points, and she wouldn't have been nearly as controversial there. An exclusive True North report has discovered that the Canadian government is completely prepared to pay the U.S. Navy double the amount originally agreed upon in 2014 to acquire torpedo upgrade kits for its Victoria-class submarines. Back in 2014, the Canadian government agreed to purchase these conversion kits from a U.S. defense agency for $41 million. This has now more than doubled eight years later to a price tag of 80 million due to, quote, cost increases, obsolescence, hardware failures, and hardware rework, unquote. That comes from an October 20th transmission to Congress. The Canadian government told True North that while it has yet to receive a formal request from the U.S. Navy for more money, they're proactively opening up their wallets. Quote, we acknowledge this issue and are prepared for a higher cost than originally expected, the Department of Defense told True North. Based on current class maintenance schedules, we now expect upgrades will be completed fleet-wide by 2027, unquote. Anthony, is like military procurement ever going to be fixed in this country? Is it always going to be just a, an absolute money pit that has no semblance of efficiency? One word answer, Andrew. No. I mean, how many times have we actually seen this story? We've seen it so many times, and I get it. Eight years later, okay, things have gone up in price, but that we're just so accustomed and acclimatized to accepting it that the government proactively says we haven't even been asked for this money yet. It's only when True North broached the issue with them, but we're gladly going to hand it over, no questions asked, double the original contract value. Yeah, and I think that the unfortunate reality is that because it's military, there's sort of this emotional defense of, well, we don't want to skimp on this. But at a certain point, we have to still expect there's going to be some goal of efficiency, which just doesn't come here. And I mean, government procurement is already a mess, but military procurement really is in a league of its own, isn't it? No, it absolutely is. And it's incredibly opaque in terms of trying to get information on all of this. Uh, the shipbuilding contract that's going on right now is the single largest spend that Canada has ever done for, for one line item ever in our history. And there's just a lot we don't know about it. We don't know about the profit margin that's being received by the contractor. Good luck getting the details on that. And, and that's a problem. I mean, I, I'm fine with us uh, criticizing the personal expenses of the prime minister and cabinet ministers and how much money we're spending on make work projects. But when you're also talking about a project that's in the tens of billions of dollars, well, we got to go after that one as well. The think tank Cardis is calling for liberal justice minister David Lametti to explain his recent comments on assisted suicide. Lametti made an appearance earlier this week on Toronto Star's It's Political podcast. 
Lametti said, remember that suicide generally is available to people. This is a group within the population who, for physical reasons and possibly mental reasons, can't make that choice themselves to do it themselves. And ultimately, Lametti continued, this provides a more humane way for them to make a decision they otherwise could have made if they were able in some other way. Executive Vice President of Cardis Ray Pennings accused the minister of dehumanizing those who seek to end their lives. He said Minister Lametti's remarks about suicide are dehumanizing both for those who seek death and for the medical professionals who are called upon to cause it. Pennings added, while the minister acknowledges it is difficult when you lose a loved one to suicide, he fails to recognize all suicides as tragedies or as evidence of our collective failure to meet the needs of some of the most vulnerable people in Canada. Andrew, you've written about this issue both in, in legislative ways and in technical analysis. You've also written about it, reflecting on it in personal ways. What do you, what do you think when you hear Lametti's remarks and, and Ray Penning's response? I was actually glad that David Lametti said the quiet part out loud because a lot of the time for years, activists have been trying to take the word suicide out of the discussion and say that medical assistance in dying or made as they call it, which is even more euphemistic, is entirely different than suicide. But I think that David Lametti actually acknowledged that we are talking about suicide here, especially with the way that the liberals are expanding this to effectively anyone and everyone dealing with a serious condition even if that condition is a mental illness where being suicidal is a symptom, not something that we should be facilitating. Yeah, I guess it would be one thing if he had said these comments in a sort of framework where the only assisted suicide that was going on was uh, someone at, at you know the worst end pains of the late stage cancer or the very ends of the ALS or what have you. But to your point, he's saying this in a framework where, wow, we're hearing about uh, suicide as an answer to poverty, suicide as an answer uh, to to depression, things that are, are really shocking people. And you know, Andrew, I have quite a libertarian view on these issues. And I've written those columns saying, look, I and the first uh, allowance of assisted suicide in Canada, I said, well, fine, who am I to tell uh, 18 year olds, so over 18 year olds, adults of sound mind what to do, even if I may not necessarily prove it of myself, people said to me, look, this is a slippery slope. And I said, well, not yet. But when it gets to the slope, I'll acknowledge it. And then, Andrew, I, I don't think it's eating crow. I think I said, OK, fine, we're down the slope. This is crazy. This is not the thing that I wrote the column about however many years ago. Like, what's going on? Yeah, I mean, you are right that the worst fears that were put forward by the naysayers back in 2016 are, are happening now. We're, we're getting very, very close to this idea of assisted suicide on demand. And uh, this is something that Canada should be ashamed of as a country. And I, I know there was also this past week that uh, store campaign by Simons that was really romanticizing a woman's choice to uh, end her life using assisted death. And I, I think we need to talk about the cultural aspect here, which is that we're, we're really as a society turning our, our backs on, on life and in a way that goes far beyond what the original promise was with assisted death uh, when it became legalized in Canada. And I remember during that early conversation, there were activist groups representing special needs persons who said, we're worried this will make our life less valuable, that that this will be pushed upon us as an option. And I, I appreciated them making their voices heard early on. But again, I thought, well, this is not what's actually on the table, guys, here. I'll, I'll be your ally when it gets to that point. But we're not there yet. And in the back of my head, I thought, and I don't think we're going to be there yet. But Andrew, we're, we're, we're there yet on a number of fronts. 
Yeah, and, and we're seeing so many stories of it being promoted to people. I mean, there's a gentleman in, in my city, London, Ontario, who's been in the hospital for many years and has actually recorded uh, doctors and nurses telling him, hey, you know, it would be a lot easier if you just, you know, got assisted suicide. And there was a, a case in Veterans Affairs where veterans that were calling up a caseworker to get support were being told, hey, have you considered just uh, ending your life instead? And uh, then people, as you mentioned, that have dealt with extreme poverty who don't actually want to die, but they feel it's their only option because they're having trouble navigating the system alive. Uh, these cases are becoming far too common for us to turn a blind eye to. I know this isn't the last time we'll be talking about this on this podcast or in this country because we are really needing of a major national conversation and debate on this right now. That's it for today, and don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.